Hi everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Celtic View podcast, your home of all things Celtic and once again we've got plenty to discuss on this week's episode. There was no action for the first team or the B team this weekend with it being the international break but there was a big game for the women in the Glasgow Derby on Monday night and we're going to get right in amongst that. Uh, We also have a snippet of our exclusive interview with none other than Victor Wanyama with the full episode of that podcast coming out on Thursday evening. So definitely stay tuned for that and keep up to date with us so we can you can catch that full interview when it comes out. And myself and Paul, we're going to have a go at picking our international 11s, which we've been going over and over during, during the office. Um, Paul, how, how are you? Very good, yes. Uh, Glad that the football's coming back this weekend, but yeah, no, looking forward to that. Yes, definitely. Um, Only one place to start, as we mentioned, Paul, it was Monday night for the women's team. A 1-1 draw against Rangers and a very dramatic ending to the match, both uh, from what happened on the pitch um, and the scenes afterwards as well. Let's start off talking about the football. Um, it was a 99th minute equaliser from Caitlin Hayes for Celtic to grab a point in the game. Just first of all, what were your overall opinions and reactions to the match? I mean, I think it was the the classic game of two halves. You know, I think Fran Alonso said after the game that Rangers were the better team in the first half. They got a slightly fortuitous goal. It was just you know a slight defensive mistake, and it was basically a tap in on the line for the the Rangers player. But they were they were probably the, they were the better team in the first half. I thought in the second half we absolutely dominated the game. Um, there was very few chances that that we allowed Rangers, but it just looked as if the game was slipping away from us. Um, but to get that late goal, Caitlin Hayes had moved up front. I thought she was absolutely outstanding mm-hmm. throughout the go- throughout the game defensively, bring the ball forward or distribution, but then just to, to pop up with a goal and you know, we've obviously had her on the podcast before, we've interviewed on the Celtic View. She's a massive Celtic fan, so she knows all about that fixture. She knows what it's like to score in that fixture. Um so it was great to see her score. And I think that point keeps us, you know, we're, we're still a wee bit off Glasgow City, but still keeps us within touching distance. We're obviously looking for favours now elsewhere. Um, but it was it was no more than we deserved, and, and certainly I thought the the way that the team came out in the second half and responded and took the game to the opposition, I thought it was exceptional. It definitely was no more than we deserved because I think in the first half as well we had massive claims for a penalty turned down, which in my opinion, it seems like in yours, definitely should have been a penalty for us. And it's a massive point, literally the last kick of the game. The, the emotion of that kind of feels like a victory. But if we were to have lost that game, it would have made our chances of challenging for, for the title very slim and also then just to challenge for that second spot to get into the Champions League slim as well. So that's a massive, massive goal. Yeah, I mean, I think they know it's difficult. The only thing is we've obviously got to play Glasgow City twice. Um, we have to play Rangers again. Glasgow City have to play Rangers twice. So you would expect between those games anyway, never mind the fact that we've got to play you know, Hearts and Hibs as well, and I think it's Partick Thistle, the other team in the top mm-hmm. six. So there's always that chance of teams maybe dropping points along the way. So I think it'll be difficult. I think the kind of the, the boost in confidence from that point, it kind of just shows you that team 
And again, Caitlin Hayes said it immediately after the game, it's that you know that's a team that you know, and I suppose in the best traditions of Celtic, don't give up. They just they're not accepting defeat, and just to to win or to get the the goal in the way they did, there was a real boost, and you know you could tell that you know obviously the contrast and the reactions from the players and and uh, management etc. after the game showed you that you know certainly a better point for us still a lot of football still to be played nine games so you know they'll just keep going and, and keep focusing on, on just trying to pick up as many points as possible that's as you said this split for the women's team it's the first year of the split it's slightly different to what we have in the men's game where the women's teams will play each other twice so it's 10 games in, in total so as you said two games against glasgow city still to come and another against rangers that game was away from home yesterday and Monday evening against Strangers. So if you can win your home games against the top you know, teams that are going to be in the top three, and if you can at least get a point in the away games, then you're going to be there or thereabouts right at the end. So it's a massive, massive point for them. Um, in terms of, you mentioned some of the players that, that impressed you as well um, in that game. Is, is there anyone else that kind of stood out for you? I thought Shen Mengle was, was brilliant down the left-hand side as well. Yeah, I thought they... they... Rangers found it very difficult to to handle her. I thought she just had that initial burst of pace that would take her away from her opponent and she was very tricky. There was a few times, maybe two or three times, where she was delivering balls into the box where she was maybe looking for somebody to get on the end of it, that, that there was no one there. Um, I thought Natalie Ross made a difference when she came on in the second half, just her experience and just anchoring that midfield. Mm-hmm. Hannah Kerner, I thought, came on to you know, a really good game and, again, driving forward you know, from a right back position, you know, and I, th- I thought defensively, you know, the defenders were very good at bringing the ball forward and trying to start attacks. Um, you know, you're playing against, and I think that's where the split, I think, is a good thing in the women's uh, league this year, That particularly with a three-horse title race. So you're never, not getting to maybe like the last couple of games and maybe top is playing, you know, you know, the Glasgow women's team with all, you know, due respect to them, they haven't won a point this season. So you don't want that to be a game where that could be a game that somebody could win to, to win the league. You want every game to have real meaning. So I think that the split for the top six has certainly got that because Hearts and Hibs have certainly improved this over the really good season. So um, I think you know every game is going to be tough. But yeah, I thought as I say, I thought they just I just thought the attitude that they came out. They, I'm sure the team were disappointed in their own performance in the first half. They just didn't get a foothold in the game and maybe allowed Rangers too much of the, of the ball into attackers down the flanks. And I thought in the second half we we completely negated that and just controlled the game. I felt from you know the whole way and you know you're just thinking we deserve a goal. But as you're watching the clock ticking down, you're thinking we're only running out of time. But you know Caitlin Hayes steps up with those late heroics. And what better way than to to get a point than by doing it now? The last kick exactly, of the game. And yeah. um, what do you, th- do you think about for the game in general? It was the first time that the match was shown on. Sky Sports, there was all the build-up to it. Um, I thought it looked like a, a healthy enough crowd at the game as well. What do you think that could do for the, the women's game, getting that exposure on, on such a sort of big channel like that? I mean, I think there's two two things to be said. And I think, obviously, given we don't know what the circumstances of this week are going to uh, go uh, in relation to what happened after the game with the incident with the, the Rangers assistant manager, who appeared from the TV pictures as if, as if he had... You know, headbutted Fran Alonso, and you know, I thought Fran handled it really well on live TV when he was shown the incident. I thought he was diplomatic. I thought he was uh, concise. 
you know, he didn't underestimate it, but I thought, I thought he handled it absolutely brilliantly. So we don't know what the, the repercussions of that. I think that's a real shame because, mm-hmm. you know, I think the game was part of a weekend of Sky showing, so they'd shown some top games in the Women's uh, Super League down in England and the Rangers, the, the game against Rangers was part of that whole, you know, promoting women's football. As you say, it brings the Scottish game to a wider audience. It shows the quality that is here, the quality, the, the, the teams, the best teams in the country. And I think it's a real, I think, you know, so I think from that respect, I think it's great. And I think it's great that, you know, Sky are on board and they're going to be showing more games because I think that's great for the profile of the game. Because I think it just shows, a lot of people maybe haven't seen the games. I think it sh- you know, shows young girls and young women that want to play football, that's role models, but it shows the wider football fans. But I think it's a real shame that a lot of the headlines have been taken up by, you know, if, you know, if effectively, you know, misbehaving a middle-aged man. And I think that's a, that's a real shame. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And I think it's something that we'll wait to see what happens throughout this week. But hopefully... This being the first game that's on Sky, this can start to be a real, a real big moment for for women's football going forward. Yeah, I mean, I thought you, you know, I thought the presentation, you know, Ellie Barber was hosting it, you know, really good presenter. You had Rachel Corsi, who's the Scotland captain, and um, Suzanne Grant, well, Suzanne Grant as she was then, who used to play for us. So two Scotland, current and a former Scotland internationalist who, who know the game as well. Ian Crocker was the commentator, Julie Fleeton, again one of the, the great names in Scottish women's football co-commentating. So, the, you know, they were, they were taking it seriously, they were showing the, the proper, you know, I think the, the pitch wasn't great mm-hmm. and, and, you know, and the ball sometimes got lost because of the, those, I mean, I'm not a big fan of artificial surfaces, mm-hmm. but I thought overall, you know, it was taken seriously as a, a game. I mean, there's always that, you know, we've always joked about, you know, you could just put two groups of five-a-side guys and put them, put one set in a Celtic strip and one set in a Rangers strip and there's always an edge to the game. And that there was, it was really competitive, the, the game itself, and that's great. But at the end of the game, just about everyone else is quite, you know, shaking hands in a sporting manner as you, as you expect them to do. So, you know, I, I think it's good that there are going to be more games on TV. I think ultimately that will be positive. But as I say, I think it's a real shame that the main talking point in the immediate aftermath of the game wasn't about the football. Yeah, 100%. Uh, for the women's team, they will now play Partick Thistle at home this Sunday. And as we mentioned, just nine games left in the season and still plenty to play for. They're still there or thereabouts. So, fingers crossed, three points on Sunday. And then they can start to look forward to, to the rest of the games that are that are coming up. So, definitely in a, in a healthy position as things stand at the moment. Um, yeah, there was no games, obviously, for the first team or for the, the B team. Over the weekend, they're back in action this weekend, um, which we're going to get into to those matches in, in just a little moment. But first of all, I think we're, we're going to go off on a little segue with our interview with, with Victor Wanyama, who um, sat down with us just last week. Uh, he's now obviously over in, in Montreal Impact. And yeah, he gave us a good 45 minutes of his time chatting about everything um, from... You'll hear some bits just now about his uh, his time with Alistair Johnson and helping him move to Celtic and, and what he said to him, just about life in Glasgow in general, what he misses, and of course, his big moments in the, the Champions League as well. Um, so yeah, there's there's lots and lots to get into. He was an amazing person uh, to interview, full of energy, full of character. So you will not want to miss that full interview when it comes out on Thursday evening. But for now... Let's give you a little taste 
of what's to come up in that interview with Victor Wanyama, which comes out on Thursday. Yeah, it's an absolute pleasure to have you on and I'm really looking forward to going back through some of your Celtic memories. You're at Montreal just now, but just think back to your time at Celtic. What what memories come to mind, Victor? Oh, a lot of memories, you know, you know, playing at home, those Champions League nights and also, you know, playing the derby. Uh, lots of memories over there. Yeah, we can't wait to get through it all. But first of all, Victor, I wanted to ask you about somebody you know very well who we're now getting to know very well here at Celtic because Alistair Johnson is a man that joined Celtic from Montreal and he credited yourself with making the move happen. He called you Agent Victor. Um, tell us about Alistair Johnson. Yeah, you know, Alistair, what a player, first of all, and what a, what a man, you know. He's a good guy, very good guy. Uh, beside football, he's a very good uh, human being and um, I like him as a person as well. And uh, yeah, Ali, you know, uh, he asked me about Celtic and uh, I told him everything, you know, that's the place to be. And uh, since then, I just couldn't stop telling him about Celtic. So I pushed him there and um, I was I was happy that he made that move uh, to Celtic and uh, I'm also happy uh, seeing him perform uh, very good every weekend. And yeah, I still support the boys. So I'm happy when the boys do well. Are you claiming to be his agent now, like he said? No, we, we, I know when a good player when a good player wants to leave. And I know um, Celtic, they were interested in him. And he had a few options. I, I will always try to push him to go to... Celtic because you know Celtic is a the perfect club for uh for good players where they can you know go and and make uh, the 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 fans proud and also uh build names for themselves. Yeah, when we said to I said to Alistair that you were going to be coming on the podcast and he told me to say hello on his behalf and he also sent me a question that he wanted me to ask you where he said. Is Babsy going to grow up and be a dominant midfielder like his dad, or is he still focused only on Coco Melon? Could you care to explain that? Yeah, uh, you know, uh, I remember this day that um, I, I went to Alistair for dinner. Me and my family went to Alistair for dinner. Uh, Alistair and his uh, girlfriend, they made some nice dinner and we went over. So I went over with my son and... Uh, my son uh, wanted to watch, uh, he loves Cocomelon, so he was watching Cocomelon and uh, now I, I, I can see why he's, he's, he's asked that question. But, you know, yeah, he's right, you know, my son, uh, hopefully he can grow uh, to be even better than me. Yeah, brilliant. So are you still watching Celtic games then and I take it seeing Alistair play for Celtic? Yeah, sure. I, I, I try to, to follow every game and... Uh, uh, some some of them they are very early in the morning, but I still try to uh, to watch, and um, yeah, the boys are doing well. So I told him, I told Alistair to to go to the gym so that he can he can be ready to lift uh, a lot of trophies. So he was not used to that. Now he has to he has to uh, get used to it. So he needs to, uh, more gym to be able to lift the trophies at Celtic. Yeah, well, you know all about winning trophies at Celtic. So, Victor, let's get into to your time at Celtic. 
Can you take me back to when you signed in 2011? It was uh, from Belgium that you signed for Celtic. What do you remember about the move happening and how the move to Celtic came around? Uh, yeah, you know, there was... Uh, I remember there was, like, uh, a lot of uh, interest in, in England and uh, and Celtic. So I think that time was, was I think, Birmingham, uh, uh, QPR and uh, Celtic. So there was... When Celtic just came into my to my mind, I just said, no, I, I want to be there because growing up in Kenya, I used to support Celtic and there was a team in Kenya called Kibira Celtics and they used to wear like Celtic and I used to go watch their games as well and uh, it, it was good. So when I heard about Celtic, I said, uh, I don't want to hear something else. I just want to move there. So uh, when it happened, I was very, very happy and uh, I couldn't wait to join the team. So going into the, the home leg then, against Barcelona. Take us into what it was like in the changing room the week before the game. What would the manager, Neil Lennon, be like during that time and what were the players like as well? No, Lennon was like just... The manager uh, that time, Lennon was motivating the, the players so so much, you know. He kept, uh, you know, telling the, the players that, you know, we have what it takes to, to beat them and... Uh, how we can do it and we worked in so we worked like in we worked hard in um, set pieces especially um corners and uh, we 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 had like in magru we had like a, a good set piece taker and uh, lennon was taking these uh, set pieces to you know to um, kill the uh, to kill the game so Whenever we had a corner, it was like a half chance. So we we executed uh, really well, and well, we had some decent, you know, decent chances uh, when we had set piece. So was that always a plan in training that week that if we get a corner, it's going to go to your head at the back post? We had a lot of variation. So uh, the the manager had a lot in 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 mind, and we we did work it. That that uh, set piece was a training, you know, or was it like a proper tra- uh, training uh, set piece that we did in uh, we worked on it in, in in training, and during the game it worked out for 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 us. I mean, Victor, it's one thing training to get the set piece, but it's another thing against that Barcelona team to have the ball to win a set piece as well. So, what were the tactics like? during the week to get you prepared for that game to actually try and stop them from scoring and to have an influence on the ball? It was just, you know, it was just to, like, you know, defend together, stay compact, defend together, uh, attack together, you know, run for one another. And uh, we did that. We we knew also we, we wouldn't be... We wouldn't be seeing a lot of the ball, so we had to, like, stay compact and, and defend and try to get counter as well. Did you, were you given a, a role by the manager to man-mark Iniesta or Xavi or Messi? No, we just had to stay compact because that Barcelona team was great and uh, uh, by just trying to stay compact and maybe try to uh, run for each other, uh, what, whatever your, your teammate cannot cover, you try and cover for, for them and uh, it worked well. Quite well. Let's get to the actual game now. 
So before it, it's a massive celebration for Celtic. 125th anniversary. There was so much on the match as well. Of course, the, the stadium was, was full with a big display going on. When you were in that changing room beforehand, did Neil Lennon have a, a motivational speech for you? Did he have anything planned to get you up for the game? Yeah, he, he told us, you know, he told us like, you know, look at the look at the crowd out there, you know. We are at home. We shouldn't forget that. The the first leg, we have to remember the first leg. We were we were a bit short, but we give everything. So tonight we have to give everything and we, we need to come back in this dressing room smiling and having the getting the, the maximum points will will be good, you know, to give us the the edge to be in the next uh, in the next stage of Champions League. So that was that's that was all about uh, him like talking to us. So, what do you remember about then walking out the tunnel and seeing the stadium with the whole display? I remember walking out of the stadium, you know, and I couldn't hear anything. It was just loud, it was loud, and everybody was up on his feet. You know, nobody was sitting, and it was just unbelievable atmosphere. So then the game begins. Barcelona have lots of possession, but we get the corner that you've all been working on and training all week. The ball comes into the back post and there you are to head it in. Describe what that moment was like and how you felt. Uh, oh my days. Uh, so, yeah, as I said, Charlie just crossed the ball uh, perfectly on the back post and I, I raise up, uh, I, I go above... Uh, Daniel Alves uh, to score the goal, and one I was trying to run on the corner where the 67 uh, supporters there, and I saw like I looked up and I saw like the stadium, uh, literally the people are coming down like like they're gonna fall in the on the pitch, and I changed direction and go back uh, on the back of the of, of the goal. So it was a, a great moment, and seeing that was just uh, amazing. Like the 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 crowd went crazy. Is that one of your favorite goals in your career? I would say so because you know, uh, we were the we were like one of the teams. Only us in Madrid managed to beat Barcelona that season, and uh, to score against them uh, with their team, with that team that they dominated Europe, was even was even great. So then, tell us what it's like for the rest of that match because I was there. And I can remember just constantly looking at the clock and seeing time move so slowly as Xavi, Iniesta, Messi, David Villa all passed the ball to one another. What was it like to play against those players? Was it the hardest job in the world in that midfield? It was so hard because we were just trying to like see how the game defend and that day we trying to stop them but they just keep on coming but also we had the we had the we had the Foster there saving everything as well. He had a big night also, and uh, while we were defending, you know, trying to trying to uh, see out the game, Tony just uh, uh, finished the game. So after that goal, we were we were pretty sure we could hang on and you know get something out of that. When Tony Watt scored, or when you, when you saw him going through and goal, first of all, what were you thinking, and then? When he scores, is that the loudest you've ever heard a stadium go in your life? 
exactly you know when when i saw tony running like on the side you know on v1 and with the, with the mascherano and he just moved the ball when he was about to shoot i was thinking like oh let it go in you know and then when it was in uh everybody like we were very tired but everybody sprint like crazy to go and celebrate so when he scored you we, we were really you know we were really happy and uh, we just had to go back and you know stay behind and try see the game out now Yes, there we have it. Just a, a little snippet there with Victor. And again, you can catch the full thing on Thursday. What you don't see in that, Paul, which I'm going to uh, mention just now, is that there's a point in the interview where Victor's phone, I can't remember if his phone died or it disconnected, whatever it was. And I was sitting, <laughs> I was sitting here. I didn't know what happened. A bit of time passed. And I then started to think, OK, he must have, he must have hung up. I don't know what's happened here. So I start to pack up, and then I get a text from him saying, "Oh, I'm ready to come back on." I was like, "Right, okay, that's fine." And it was literally just the last bit of the interview, like five minutes to the end, when we're doing like some quick fire questions that we had left to do. And then by the time he came back on, he'd completely changed his outfit and was in a completely different location. <laughs> so if anyone is watching it on Thursday and does have a, a little moment to yourself where you're looking at it and think, hold on a minute, what, that's completely different, then that is the reasoning for it. Uh, it still makes me laugh every time I get to that bit and I see it. <laughs> I mean, obviously Alistair Johnson calls him Agent Victor, but I yeah. think these things, you know, the, the one we did a couple of weeks ago with Ross Wallace, and we're hearing from guys that we remember, remember what they did for Celtic, we probably haven't heard from them for such a long time, so I think it's great that you kind of you're, you're getting that trip down memory lane, and it's clear every time when you're talking to them how much they loved being here. Because probably for most of them, this is the biggest club mm -hmm. they've, they've ever played at on the biggest stage and, and achieved the most. So you can you can tell that there's real affection for the club, particularly someone like Victor, who then he obviously goes on and plays at Tottenham. And I chatted to him quite very briefly about that. About he was part of the team that reached the Champions League final, and he was like, "Yeah, it was good, but Celtic." And that was his answer for everything. It was like Celtic, Celtic, yeah, Celtic. Which is great to hear as a fan. So. 100%. And uh, there's some more really good nuggets of, uh, that you'll, you'll hear in it about his, his love for some things that he, he had in Glasgow. Pasta, one of them is spaghetti. Uh, how much he, he misses haggis as well. So there's, there's some brilliant little bits in it. So definitely stay tuned for that on Thursday. It's one not I'm sure they still have pasta in Montreal. I know, but he said... Cause it, it was obviously his tweet um, when he was at the club and he said, I like spaghetti or whatever it was. <laughs> so I asked, I asked him about it and it was just kind of like tongue in cheek. I thought he probably gets asked this all the time. And he's like, no, honestly, like, like I went out for pasta and I went for spaghetti at this place and it was amazing. Like, he's like, anytime I've ever come back to Glasgow, I need to go to this place. He can't remember what the name of it was. Um, and it was funny because he said, oh, it was somewhere like in downtown. I was like, oh, you've been in Canada too long, you don't say downtown here. Um, so yeah, no, he absolutely, it's like his favourite pasta ever, this one in Glasgow, so I don't know. But uh, yeah, and he said he'll miss his haggis more than anything else, so a man of, a, a man of good taste. <laughs> um, let's look ahead to the first team then and Alistair Johnson's team, which are playing Ross County away this Sunday, the first game back from the international break. And after this, it's just going to be 
week after week until the end of the season. It's a really important game, this one, isn't it? Away to Ross County, somewhere that we've got some good memories of in recent times, but particularly, I know we don't want to look ahead too much, but we know that the game after that is the Glasgow Derby as well. So just really important that we pick up three points in this. Yeah, and it can, it can be... It can be a venue where it can be a wee bit tricky. I mean, people remember last season, Anthony Ralston's last gas winner. So it's quite a tight wee ground and, you know, they can be quite physical and, and they do, you know, they, they give you a game. So, but I think it's like every game, we say it every game, if, if we turn up and we play, then, then we should win. I think it's worth mentioning as well, just obviously the international who've been on, Callum McGregor, you know, got his 50th cap at the weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, should, you know, the t- should be getting number 51 against Spain um, tonight. But I mean, I think that's an incredible achievement. Just another incredible milestone in, in, in his career. Yeah, well, that'll be him now into the Hall of Fame, isn't it? Scotland, as soon as you reach 50 caps. So it's incredible, just incredible consistency. A guy that since, really since Brendan Rodgers came in, he seems to play about 65 games a season, doesn't he? And he just shows that again with Scotland. I mean, I suppose that's the thing going into the game against Ross County. You've just got to touch wood that there's no more injuries between now and then. I know there's there's maybe some there's been some sweats over some players during the international break. So fingers crossed we just kinda of get through this injury free. Yeah, but that's where the I suppose that's where the strength of the squad comes in that, you know, we've seen that with the bench that we've got. You you know, if you lose one or two players, you know you can call other players in and as you say that, you know, they'll only be looking at the next game, but I suppose you're planning as well for the game after that, which is mm-hmm. a, which is a massive game. In terms of Ross County and the potential threats that they may pose, I think they've been in better form of the last couple of months. They really lost a lot of firepower during the summer with Regan Charles Cook going and Joseph Hungbo. And in January, Malky McKay's managed to get in a couple more strikers. Eamon Brophy's come in, Simon Murray's come in, uh, one other as well, which the name has just escaped me. Um, and they've also got Jordan White, and they've started to get in the score sheet. So I think now, when we're playing them, compared to earlier in the season, they're probably going to be in a little bit of a stronger position, which might make it a little bit more more tricky. I mean, I've always thought Eamon Brophy's a really good striker. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know whether, I'm not really sure whether it's he's been unlucky with injuries or just doesn't have that consistency, but I just always felt wherever he's played, he's scored goals. And, you know, he's been getting amongst the goals. I think he scored on his debut, actually, up at Ross County. So he's probably a, a goal threat and he's scored against us before, you know, various clubs that he's played for. And that might be the difference for them, maybe not on in Sunday, but, you know, having players like that might be the difference, you know, when it comes to the, the split and they're in the bottom six, avoiding either the, the relegation or playoff spot. Mm-hmm, 100%. Uh, now, let's get into this, Paul. Um, was it being the international break, or we're just coming to the end of it, we thought it'd be an idea of naming our one to eleven Celtic starting lineup, but every position has to be a different nationality and in honour of the international break, if we want to say in honour of it. So we came up with this idea yesterday and I think since then the two of us have really been scratching our heads over players no, to, to add. No, you have to tell the truth. I've been sitting in, in the office cursing you for, <laughs> for, for making me go well, through this. It's one of those things, you start to think about it and you think, okay, I'll, I'll get there. And then all of a sudden a name pops into your head and then you're scribbling it out and then you're just constantly going back and forth between certain players. So it's been a challenge, hasn't it? Well, the, diff- the, the main difficulty, I mean, there's certain players that, 
you know, probably both of us, you know, the first name you put on is Henrik. Mm-hmm. So that's that's your Swedish player. But then I think the dif- I found the difficulty was if you're only allowed one Scottish player, because obviously the majority of the players that have played for Celtic are Scottish, and there's just you know there's off the top of my head you can think of half a dozen that you would think right, and we've tried to do it in players that maybe we've seen. Mm-hmm. So you're not going back to like you know Jimmy McGrory or yeah, Char- you know it, you know players players like that. So um, yeah, it's that that was the, the, the challenge of it and trying to just pick who's the one Scottish player that you're going <laughs> to pick and yeah. So that's the the rules of it. We're taking it from basically players that we've watched. So for me, I'm taking it really from Seville. That's kind of the first team I remember, the end of that onwards. So that instantly, as much as I feel like I kind of know, like maybe know about Lubo, I'm not having him in my team because he left what, 2002, didn't he? End of 2002. Peter so, Squeeze and Henry can. I suppose he was 2000. Yeah, yeah. He, I do remember. What? I do remember Henrik. I do remember <laughs> going to games and seeing him. So he will definitely, he'll definitely have a place in it. But we don't know each other's teams. Mm-hmm. And yeah, again, every you can only have a nationality. Yeah. Once in your side. So let's start off. We're both playing a 4-4-2. Yeah. I mean, it's. I mean, I don't think my 4-4-2. I think they would probably lose the battle of midfield. But okay. <laughs> okay. By those, aye. So start off in goals. So I've gone. With that one, it was really a toss-up for me between Arta Boric and Fraser Forster, but I've went for Arta Boric. Okay. I originally went for Arta Boric, but there's a reason why I haven't, which will become apparent. So I actually went for... So for me, it was a toss-up between Joe Hart and Fraser Forster, and then I just decided, since Joe's here, I thought I'd better (laughs) choose it. So I went for the... So that would be my English player, and the team would be... Would be Joe Hart. Okay, okay, so that rules out any more English players going forward then. Yeah. Right, right backs, this was a tough one for me because you clearly, you know, it's not giving anything away. Henrik will be in the side. But he's, he's means, never, he never played right back. But. No, no, but that means that yeah. initially I would have thought Mikael Lustig. Yeah. So I couldn't have him in. So then I'm tossing up. I love Alistair Johnson as a player, but he's obviously maybe just not been here long enough. Juranovic enjoyed as well, but I've went with Didi Ragat. Oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's a that's a good choice actually. Mm-hmm. Well, this is this was the the part of the problem for me because, you know, if I was looking at you know the, the best players I'd seen, you know, there'd be a predominance of Scottish players, particularly in midfield. So you'd have lights of Paul McStay for me, Callum McGregor, and then you, you go over on the left, and the left back was another problem because probably the best left backs I can think of. Came back for me, Tosh McKinley. You know, in more recent times, Kieran Tierney and Greg Taylor. But I had to have Danny McGrain. And, you know, for me, just, you know, the best right back. He was the best right back in the world um, at the time and could have played left back. I mean, he did play left back for Scotland as well. But Danny's my, my Scottish player. He's just, uh, he's, he was just phenomenal. Yeah. Well, it was always members in Pelly's like greatest hundred players of all time or something as well, wasn't it? It's at one point, so well, that's that's definitely a one player, Danny McLean. I would have loved to have seen him, Paul McStay, Tommy Burns, and obviously then the Lions. But excluding them, everyone just talks about Danny McLean being such an amazing player. So that's one I definitely would have liked to see. Okay, so Danny McLean for you, and then let's do left back, and then we'll go into okay. centre halves. So the left back is where so. I, I couldn't, you know, there wasn't that many. As I say, the best left backs, so maybe if we come back in the 80s, or, well, the early 90s, Tosh McKinley, 
I remember watching Celtic in the 80s and we used to always say we should have signed Tosh McKinley either when he played for Dundee or for Hearts. Brilliant left back and I was glad that you know Tommy Burns brought him to Celtic. As I say, more recently, the likes of Kieran Tierney and I think Greg Taylor is, is phenomenal. But then I came up with uh, Darius Dovchik, who had played, and he could play, he, he could play left back, he could play in the left of a three. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was another player, he maybe didn't get the headlines that Jack Janowski got because he was more kind of flamboyant, scored the goals, you know, could, could do phenomenal things, and then obviously made a lot of headlines off the pitch as well. But Dovchik was, was a really cool and uh, quite stylish player so you know putting him in at left back then means that I can't put Arter in so that's yes. that's why but so Darius Dovchek is my left yeah. back scored in uh, a derby match as well didn't he? He did yeah he had a great free kick on him as well yeah. a great really really good left foot yeah good shout so my left back so again same the same decisions I was having as yourself and I was looking at you know uh, Greg Taylor Kieran Tierney but I want to leave my Scottish player for a different position. So I've went for Izagiri mm-hmm. in that position. Get a Honduras name in. Uh, it obviously was at Celtic for such a long time, such an amazing servant to the club, particularly though his first two years, he was absolutely sensational. And then he broke his leg up at Petodre, and then after that, yeah. it just wasn't quite the same. But I always felt really because he had been player of the year the previous mm-hmm. season. I, I always felt that, you know, really sorry for him for that. But I mean, he still, you know, he was another one of these players that came. And what I liked about him is he embraced mm-hmm. everything about Celtic. Uh, I always just when he used to go up to Lennox Town, and he would come along, and he was just he was just a lovely guy. He would say hello to everybody, but he would come up and you'd be sitting there working and he came up and do the fist pump and I'm like, oh, I'm a middle-aged guy, just shake my <laughs> hand. But I had to do it. But now fist pumps are all the rage after all, yeah, everything yeah. COVID and everyone's doing them. Yeah, so no, I think, I think that's a good choice as well. Yep. So. Okay, centre-halves. Um, I think we might concur with us. Yeah. Virgil van Dijk, yeah. is he in for you? Yeah. Um, and in my second centre-half, I'm going with Cameron Carter-Vickers. Me too. Yeah? Yeah. yeah. I think he... He's a different kind of player to, to Virgil, but he, he reminds me, you know, you, we watched Virgil and it was effortless and you knew that he was going to the very, you know, he was going to go and play at the mm-hmm. highest, highest level. And and I, I look at Carter, Cameron Carter-Vickers and I think it's the same thing. I think he's a phenomenal player, absolutely phenomenal. And I just, I think, you know, I think he's in the best place. I think he made the right career move rather than he'd been on loan. I think he knows he's in the right place uh, and he's playing at a really high level, but I think he's I think he's phenomenal as well. So I think that's a really strong defensive Good. partnership. Might have some debates then as we go forward in midfield and, and up front. Um so let's start off then with let's start off with our wingers. If you have you kinda of got wingers or they... I don't know, I just went I just chose four midfielders. Right, just go why don't you so, just name your four midfielders so the, then I'll do mine. So the midfielders there there's one the one midfielder that actually would anchor things just to well the rest of the rest of them are all playing okay. playground football. Charging forward is Neil Lennon, so he'd be my Irishman. I do think that there was a period in 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 the early two thousands where genuinely I thought Neil Lennon was one of the best defensive midfielders in Europe. I thought he was you know he 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 did all the th- he allowed the other players to to maybe be more creative, but he was Gordon Strachan used to always talk about people being a good teammate because they were always there 
always prepared to take the ball even under pressure. Neil Lennon was exceptional at that. So he would be anchor in okay. midfield. And the other three would be Hitati, would be just for that, you know, the, the creativity and the engine. Uh, and then I have to have Lubo because mm-hmm. Lubo's just, uh, it was a joy. And the other one would be Tom Rogic because again, he, what he could do with a ball, and I think especially when people would see him probably, I think what took him by surprise, he's quite a tall guy, but he was, he just glided through, it was effortless and, and the ball was stuck to his feet and it just took my breath away, what he could do with the ball and uh, I thought he was a, a brilliant player, so that would be my four okay. ostensibly midfielders. Were you debating, was there any other names that you kind of maybe wanted to get in? Well, Stylian Petrov would have been uh, there or thereabouts as well. I think, again, I think there was a period where, you know, going up and down that park, he was phenomenal. Ideally, uh, the, the, the main debate for me was, as a Scottish player, was either Danny McGrain or Paul McStay. Because, you know, if it was just a, a general 11, Paul McStay would be in there every day of the week. Uh, but then I just wanted Danny in the team. Mm-hmm. So that was the difficulty. That is where it gets difficult. I mean, for me, I think if, if I had clear memories of going to the games and watching Lubo, then he would definitely be my team. But he's not. So for me, I've went for Nakamura. Mm-hmm. I think he's he's my favourite player at, at that age. Um, and the left, I've went for Aidan McGeady. So he's my, my Irishman in there. Again, I just thought he was an unbelievable talent. Like Even just from the moment that he, he came into the team, I remember he played in the Champions League against AC Milan here, that great AC Milan team, and he was absolutely phenomenal at that teenage years. And yeah, he's in. And then in my midfield too. So I've gone with Petrov. And then the second one was one I was debating over. So this is what I was leaving as my, my Scots player. And I really could not decide. And I think if you, you I'm going to say one now, but then you could ask me next week and I'll say something different. I really wanted to have... Paul Lambert in but I don't know if when I remember watching games did I see the best of Paul Lambert so I've decided not to put him in for that reason because I maybe only caught the last couple of years of his career but you know that there was a, probably a time where he genuinely was a world class midfielder and won the best in Europe so then I was debating over a current captain Callum McGregor or a captain before that Scott Brown and I've just decided to go with Callum McGregor, um, and then again, that it's nothing about it's nothing against Scott Brown at all because of what he achieved at this club, how good he was as a player. I think it's actually underrated how good Scott Brown was as a footballer, particularly. You remember his last year under under Ronnie, and people were worried: is does he have the legs anymore? Is he going to last much longer? And Brendan came in, and all of a sudden Scott became this complete new player and you would see the stats of him in the Champions League he'd have like the highest pass accuracy and all this different types so another outstanding player but I've just went I've just went with Calm on that one I, just, I think he's he's a player that currently or at any point over the last five six years could easily just walk into a top four team in, in England and, and fit in perfectly we spoke about him with Scotland and I think that we we're lucky that we've got him really at this moment in time. We're lucky that he's a 
a Celtic fan, he wants to just stay at this club and win things for this club and skipper this club, and he's incredible. And also, if he's watching, it means that if I <laughs> him again, <laughs> <laughs> then hopefully, hopefully that helps. Well, I'm hoping he forgives me for choosing Danny McGrane. <laughs> um, two strong midfields. And then, up front, so I take it we both went for Henrik Larsson, so that leaves one other one other spot. So I was, um, I was having a debate over this, so... It was a, it's basically a toss-up between George Cadet or John Hartson. Okay. Um, in terms of, because obviously, because the temptation was to have the Hartson, uh, the Larson Sutton partnership, but I've already used my Englishman and goals. So, I would probably, I would probably go with Cadet just because mm-hmm. I think. Again, I, th- I think we maybe didn't get as much out of him as we should have, but I thought as a goal scorer, I thought he was phenomenal when he came. And, um, you know, I, you can maybe see why there was uh, there was reasons to obstruct his signing because, you know, people elsewhere saw how <laughs> beneficial it would be to us, um, to their detriment, of course. But um, I, th- I think it's a shame that we maybe didn't get the longevity out of him. But I thought as a, as a finisher, uh, I thought he was phenomenal. Although... You know, John Hartson, again, is a balance maybe with Henrik and, and John Hartson. And I've always said, when I've interviewed John Hartson, I always felt, I mean, there was a few things in terms of Seville, John didn't play that game because he'd obviously done his back in. I always felt if he'd been there, even if he hadn't started, I came on with a one. He just, he'd just given us something different up front and he was he was a big game player. Mm-hmm. There was actually, I was listening to an interview recently with, it was Rio Ferdinand's, think, yeah, it was Rio Ferdinand, and he was talking about his early days at West Ham and coming through, and they were asking him, like, who were the best players there, and obviously they had a brilliant crop of youngsters, and Joe Cole, and Michael Carrick, and Frank Lampard, and, and all the likes, and he's like, honestly, the best the best player at the time was John Hartson, the training, he's like, I've never seen a striker like him, and what he could do, and he would just bully people, and throw them about, and he knew how to score, and he said it was just absolutely brilliant and it kind of took people by surprise a little bit but for us we we got to see some of the best of them up here as well and even that last year with John Hartson when Gordon Strachan came in 05-06 season and you know John was probably at the the twilight of his, his career then and he was still the top goal scorer in the league that year wasn't he? he scored, like the win, goals. scored the winning goal uh, yeah, against league, Hearts, yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, another another one. Um, I might change my mind then. <laughs> Actually, well, could I remind people about him that maybe didn't get the chance to see him because was it ninety five or ninety six he signed, and there was a lot of there was a lot of excitement from Celtic fans when he was coming in. This guy with a big reputation. You mentioned about blocking his signing as well. Yeah, delaying, yeah, yeah, yeah. So which again was to the credit of Fergus of pursuing that. Um, because it was obviously not an administrative mix-up. Um, so basically Jim Farry, who was head of SFA, lost his job as a result of that because they were doing a delay in registering George Cadet. But also famously, I think we played Aberdeen here, and when he scored the roar, mm-hmm. it actually knocked the Radio 5 live live broadcast off air. Um, but he had, he, he was so quick, and he, just, he was just one of these natural born goal scorers he just knew where the goal was and and as I say I think you know at least he was part of the, the three, three amigos and we maybe again maybe we saw flashes of the, the brilliance but didn't see enough of it 
because I, I don't know if at the time they were using Celtic as a a stepping stone, but you know, I really, really good goal scorer. Uh, George Cadet is uh, someone that's always ingrained in our family because my sister's a couple of years older and I was born in '93, and. My dad used to come home from games and he would always sing like there's only one George Cadetti to the point where my sister at that age was really kind of developing how to talk and things like that and she'd sing it back to him. So we always say that anytime we see George Cadetti doing something or a video comes up, we'll send it to each other and then she'll always give us a rendition of it. Um, so you're, you're going with Cadet? I think I'll just, I'll just yeah. start with that. So. so yeah, so for me, my debate was around, so again, Hartson, Sutton, and then the two Frenchmen as well, Dembele and Edward, who have given us some really good memories of late. But then I thought if I were to, I couldn't pick one of them actually because I then went for Didier Agat. Um, but also picking between the two of them is really difficult because they both have like kind of similar records. But they're both completely different players as well. That's why you can see the the season that Musa left. There, there was only a couple of games that, that Brendan Rodgers, his intention was to play the two of them up front mm. with, with Musa leading the line and Edward doing what he did best, was just playing off him. And you always, it's one of those great what ifs. If, if Musa had stayed for the season, that would have been a phenomenal straight mm. force because, as I say, Edward, that he, I think he would have really benefited from that. Um, but yeah. obviously, it wasn't to be. So with this. Though I've decided to go for Chris Sutton. And the reason I'm doing that is because if Henrik's my other striker, and if you ask Henrik who's your favourite strike partner, he will say Chris Sutton. So I am bowing down to the king on this one. <laughs> if whatever Henrik wants, Henrik can have in my team. So so yeah, that's that's my team. Boric, Agat, Virgil, Carter Vickers, Izagiri, Nakamura, Petrov, McGregor, McGeady, Sutton and Larson. If both of if my team was to play against your team, what would you think? A lot of goals. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're mid, you're midfield four. Neil I Lennon's got a lot of. I was going to say Neil Lennon's. He's got a lot of work defensively, and Hatati would have to do a lot of the running and just give the ball to Rogic and, and LeBron. Let them <laughs> work their magic. <laughs> It'd be an entertaining game, though. Yeah. yeah. Maybe that's the next next year's Legends game. <laughs> it could well be. I know. Get the two of them against one another. Although. I don't know if Aidan McGrady against Danny McGrain would be be fair at this current, current age. Although Danny McGrain's probably still one of the fittest people at Celtic Park. Um, yeah, well, I'm sure if we'd done that again next week, we'd have a few different yeah, opinions. But if you have your say, if you if you disagree with any of, of our choices, or you want to have your own say in your one to eleven, then put them in in the comments below, and we'll, we'll have a we'll have a look to see what you all all think. It's quite a Quite a worthwhile exercise. It's quite a fun afternoon for us uh, to, to do. Um, right, Paul, let's, let's move on then. Let's look ahead to the B team. Uh, they didn't have a game at the weekend there, but they have their own Glasgow derby coming up this weekend as well. They're currently two points behind Rangers in, Rangers in second place, uh, Celtic in third. Um, Spartans are top of the league at the moment. There's only five games left as well. So this is this is the crunch part of the season. You can't get away from it. Yeah, and I think given I think was it five one that we beat them here, I think they'll certainly be five two. Five two. All right, I was trying to take a goal Sorry. off from there. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think they'll be a, a real edge to because obviously Rangers will be looking for sort of measure of revenge. 
you know, I think the team's been playing really well. I think, you know, obviously Mackenzie Carr signing a new deal to extend his stay here. I think that's great. He's, he's, you know, he's one of the really promising young players coming through. The B team just now, so that's great that he's committed his future. Um, and, you know, some of the, the other boys that have, you know, Ben Summers in and around the first team, some of the boys getting representation for the international under-21s, etc. So I think there's a real confidence there. I think it's great that they're playing on a big stage, you know, in, you know, in the big stadium. I'm not sure in terms of, I don't know if there's a crowd or whether it's behind closed doors, but I think it's just playing on at that, that stage. And given how well they performed here at Celtic Park, you know, they have to go in feeling confident. But that's another aspect of this season that we've spoken about and all the different types of football that they've had in Europe against opposition in England and the Lowland League and then having the chance to play at Celtic Park. They're now going to be playing at Ibrox as well. They've got the, well, not the B team, but there's a Youth Cup final coming up as well, which will be at Hamden for some of the players that are a little bit younger. And that's what you you want at that age, isn't it? To be playing in the biggest stadium, stadiums and stages. The other thing as well is given the fact that the, the league season's nearly over, the Youth Cup is for obviously for the younger players, and then we're still in the Glasgow Cup, so we're playing in a Glasgow Cup final. But games like uh, the weekend's game are chances for the young players to show what they can do, because the, even though their season might be over, they'll still be in and around Lennox Town. And I'm sure, given the fact that some of them have already been training with the first team this season, we've, we've seen brief glimpses of them in the first team, then they'll be wanting to show that, you know, can they then stay and train with the first team for the remainder of the season. So games like that, if they can show what they can do, you know, that obviously catches the attention of the manager and the coaching staff. Yeah, 100%. Um, Paul, that leads us on to our predictions game to, to finish things off. So again, we've got seven fixtures from our Premiership in England and obviously all the, the three Celtic teams as well. Um, and you're still at the top at the moment as uh, I'm sure you'll be happy to know. Uh, this week we've got Jennifer Smith on to play uh, for you, the fans. Uh, I'm still in third place. The fans are in second place as well, so I still have catching up to do uh, and the games are quickly running out. Um, so let's let's rattle through some of these then. So um, start off with the English Premier League and Saturday at lunchtime, which is Man City against Liverpool. I think you'd have to go Man City, particularly at home. So... I'll go for 2-0 to Manchester City. You know, that's the same as what Jen has gone for, and I, I've went for 3-1 for Manchester City in that one. Um, and now a couple from our own Premiership in Scotland, Hibs against Motherwell. I think that will be 3-2 to Hibs. Ooh, 3-2. A thriller. Five goal thriller at Easter Road. <laughs> probably been okay. Yeah, probably. Um, Jen has went for one each in that one and I've gone for 2-0 to Hibs in that. Um, another game in Scotland, Kilmarnock at home to Hearts. Can you, can you hope that both teams lose? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you can. Um, that's got a draw written all over it. I'm yeah. going to go for a, a two-old draw. Yeah. And uh, it's, a, it's actually a competition to see who, which of the two managers looks the most miserable at all times. But The post-match press conferences after that are just going to be Aye. one big moan, isn't it? <laughs> Aye, exactly. <laughs> two each with with four controversial goals, so it gives them plenty to moan about. But I mean, uh, yeah, I've always gone for a draw and one each in that one, and Jen's went for 2-0 Hearts. Um, one other game in England, uh, which is on Sunday, 
is Newcastle against Man United. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. Um, Newcastle started winning again. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, I think, and they probably had too many draws. I, I think I'm going to go for one each with that one. Okay, yeah. I'm, I'm pipping Newcastle just 1-0, as you mentioned. They're starting to win again. Man, you've got Cas- Casemiro out. And I think some, we've got a couple of injuries during international break as well. Um, and James went for 1-0 Man United, so we've all went for something different there. The B team, away to Rangers. We have to go for a, a Celtic win. 2-1 to Celtic. 2-1. I've went for exactly the same. 2-1 as well. Uh, James went for 3-2, so we're confident all round. Um, then the women against at home against Partick Thistle. I'm going to go for 5-0 to Celtic. Jens went for 3-0, I've went for 4-0. So we've got all bases covered after 3-0 there. And then finally, uh, Sunday, 12 o'clock, Celtic away at Ross County. Right. I'm going to go for 4-1 to Celtic. Ooh, that was the same scoreline as in the League Cup there earlier this season. If that's something you put some thought no. behind or you just put a number. <laughs> um, the reason I'm doing so well is I don't put any thought yeah. behind it. <laughs> You should have known that by now. <laughs> uh, Jen's went for 3 0, uh, and I've gone for, for 2 0 in that one. But if we come back next week and we've got. See, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of factoring in the dodgy VAR penalty in these predictions. Of course, so. yeah. yeah. You know, that, maybe that's the reason why I'm not doing so so well because I keep forgetting that that's, we need to still beat the VAR as well. Um, but yeah, if we've got three wins to talk about next week, then that'll be, that'll be happy. Yeah. Moving into another derby. Um, yeah, thanks very much for joining us again. Thank you very much for, for listening. And yeah, have a go at your international livings. We'd love to, to hear from them. And stay tuned on Thursday for the big interview with Victor Winyama. You do not want to miss that. Um, and yeah, make sure you subscribe and like to Celtic View podcast and all of your podcast channels. We are on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, SoundCloud, wherever you get your podcasts. We are there, so you've always got a chance to listen to us. But for now, enjoy the weekend's action and do join us again next week. Hail, hail.